good morning, Freedom Church. It's lovely to be sharing with you this morning in the second talk in our brand new series on Ecclesia Assemble. Um, and Butters did such a great job last week of introducing us to our new series that the Ecclesia are simply a group of people following God together, his gathered group of believers, the church, that God's presence has been made freely available to us through his son, Jesus, and that when we gather, we experience his presence in a way that is significant, that we carry the very presence of God in us when we put our trust in Jesus through the Holy Spirit and that when two or more people carrying that life meet that life and presence of God become more apparent to us we see gifts of prophecy and healing and words of knowledge as the Lord just simply delights in being amongst his gathered people and doing what he does best which is transforming hearts with his love and with his glory. This morning we are, um, we're in the second of our series on Ecclesia Assemble and we're looking at the idea of the church as a body. Um, the main passages that we're going to be looking at today you can find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and it's verses 12 to 27, verses that I'm sure lots of us will be familiar with already. So if you've got your Bibles with you, why don't you just turn there? It's 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27 and I'd love to just pray while you're doing that if that's okay. Um, Lord Jesus, I thank you that it is your heart's desire to speak to your children, to speak to your body, that we would hear what you have to say to us this morning Lord and I pray that anything that's just human waffling would be forgotten really quickly Lord but anything that is of you would just cut us to the heart and we would leave this place and know and how to respond to it as well. Amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verses 12 to 27 and it says this just as a body though one has many parts but all its parts form one body so it is with Christ for we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body whether Jews or Gentiles slave or free we were all given the one spirit to drink and so the body is not made up of one part but of many now if the foot should say to the hand because I am not a hand I do not belong to the body it would not for that reason stop being part of the body and if the ear should say because I am not an eye I do not belong to the body it would not for that reason stop being part of the body if the whole body were an eye where would the sense of hearing be if the whole body were an ear where would the sense of smell be but in fact God has placed the part in the body every one of them just as he wanted them to be if they were all one part where would the body be as it is there are many parts but one body the eye cannot say to the hand I don't need you and the head cannot say to the feet I don't need you on the contrary those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment but God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lack it so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other if one part suffers every part suffers with it if one part is honored every part rejoices with it now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Let me just read 27 again. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. 
We're going to be covering the topic of unity um, within the body of Christ this morning, um, as I'm sure is apparent from those verses that we've just read. And, you know, sometimes when reading the Bible, we, I, I find anyway, you might be much better at me than this, but I find I have to really try and, and read into the picture of what scripture is saying to try and understand what it means. But here, I think there's a base level of understanding for all of us because it uses the example of a body. Um, it's not a picture that requires a, a deep scholarly cultural understanding or a historical understanding of the background of the period of history when this when, when these verses were written and um, no matter where we're coming from we know how different it is when a body works well first when it doesn't and um, we know how different it is when all the parts of the body are working together in unity first when they are not the design of the body is beautiful it's intricate it requires all of its parts to enable movement and speech and expression of self and the accomplishment and fulfillment of goals and all these things that the body is made for um, it's designed to function in unity together with each of its valuable parts doing their valuable job um, and it's the same with the church with the body of christ once we enter into that relationship with jesus once we accept and receive the amazing thing that he's done for us by laying down his life and being raised back to life again returning from the grave we enter into the body that's being described in these verses here today we become one of those truly valuable parts that has a truly valuable role to play. Um, and I guess before we go any further, my question to you would be this morning, do you feel that way? Do you feel like a, a valuable part of the body that has a valuable role to play? Um, we see a glimpse of the church functioning in true unity um, in Acts 2 as the early church is coming together where verses 43 to 47, they'll pop up on the bottom of the screen right now if that's okay, um, tell us that they devoted themselves to teaching and fellowship, to breaking bread and praying together. There was awe at all the signs and wonders that God performed among them. They had everything in common and sold what they had so they could give to those who did not. They gathered together daily and ate with glad and sincere hearts praising God as he added to their number daily by saving people it just sounds truly beautiful and unity is not just Jesus's desire for the early church it is absolutely still the desire of Jesus for his body today that we ecclesia that term that we're using to anchor our preaching series around at the moment would be functioning as one body together but Paul acknowledges, as we've read in these verses, that there are some challenges to this. There are some things that we are very likely to face as imperfect human beings who are seeking after a unity that a perfect God is calling us towards. And the first instance that we see of this is in verses 15 to 17, and it's the problem of insecurity. I don't know if you've come across the term FOMO before. Um, it's a term that is becoming increasingly used in our vocabulary and the vocabulary of the media. Um, it simply means the fear of missing out. You know, our, our society places such an emphasis on um, mutual friends, who's following who, um, what group chats people are in. Um, and this has only increased over recent years. There's more and more studies emerging and um, that are looking at this idea of FOMO, trying to examine it. Um, one study in 2018, defined it as the concern that you may be missing out on rewarding experiences that other people are having. 
even if you haven't heard this term before, although I'm sure you have, um, it's a feeling that most of us can relate to, I would be willing to bet, at various degrees during some stage of our life. Um, some of you will know I'm a, I'm a part-time primary school teacher, and unfortunately, this is something I see on a, a weekly, if not daily basis. Kids who are really, really distressed because they feel they're not a part of that game that they really want to be a part of, or they're not getting to join in with the group of people that they really want to be joining in with. So it makes absolute sense that this feeling would be a really uncomfortable place to be when we're talking about the body of Christ. If unity is at its core and we feel like we are on the outside and we are not included, then we would feel as though we're not functioning within the very purpose that the body was designed for, the very thing that it's made for, the working together and the unity of each of its individual parts. Maybe you feel a bit like that this morning, like you're on the edges of things, like you're not valued or you're not important, or maybe you feel like someone else has gifts that you don't have or they have different gifts to you and you just don't see how you could be a valued part of this body. Um, but Paul here in the passages that we've read and us as Freedom Church this morning are saying to you that that is simply not true. If we use the picture of the body that scripture has laid out here for us, um, we can think of an example like a little finger that, you know, it's on the outside of the body, it's on the far edge of the hand, and it might feel like it's less important than the other parts of the hand. You can imagine it saying, oh, why, oh, why was I not created a thumb? But without the finger, the ability of the hand to securely grasp things is really, really weakened. The big toe of a foot is not likely to be a body part that many of us would choose if we were given the opportunity to pick a body part. Um, it's often hidden under socks and shoes right on the very outskirts of the body. I even forget it's there half the time. And I can imagine a big toe feeling, oh, if only I were an eye, I would play such a clear and beautiful role in the body. But without the big toe, the whole body loses balance and topples really, really easily. And Paul says in verse 17, you know, let me get it up rather than paraphrase and I'll tell you exactly what he says. He says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? He addresses that there will be insecurities that arise as we seek for this unity in the body that Christ is calling us to. But he brings comfort in verse 18, saying that it is God and God alone who has placed the parts in the body. Every one of them, if you've given your life to Jesus already this morning, that is you. Just as he, Jesus the Lord, wanted them to be. Yes, we may face these insecurities. These challenges may arise, but the unchangeable fact is that we are members of the body. A toe's desire to be an eye does not make it less part of the body, nor a finger's desire to be a thumb. We can bring these insecurities, these challenges that we face to Jesus, that he would work on our hearts through the power of his Holy Spirit. Um, and I think it's just great to be reminded here of how amazing it is that we have a saviour who chose to come in human form to experience everything that it is to be human, the confusion, the emotions that it is to be a human being. When we come to him saying, Lord, Jesus, I feel insecure. He doesn't respond with, a, uh, with coldness, with a uncaring, with a lack of understanding, but with a loving reassurance that only he can truly offer. 
Another quick side note here as well is I think it's important to acknowledge that in the current climate we're in with COVID-19, with lockdown, with isolation, there are additional challenges to this idea of insecurity. Um, you know, our meetings, um, we're unable to celebrate the different gifts of the body in the way that we normally would. Like Chris was saying last week, we're so looking forward to that time when we get to meet together again, to worship, to prophesy, to hear words of knowledge, to pray together and celebrate our amazing God. But don't allow the online nature of things to lead to that feeling of disengagement. Can I just encourage you to get stuck in with huddles and our midweek prayer meetings that we've got going on? There's still great opportunities to come together as the gathered people of God and that let him display the power and the unity and the glory that he has given to the body when we gather. So Paul addresses this first challenge of unity in the body, the insecurity that can arise. But he also goes on to address the issue that's on the opposite end of the seesaw. That's pride or superiority within the body. You know, so often within our, our walk with Jesus, we come across these issues that they require a really delicate balance. They're not a binary this or that, yes or no. It's all about getting that balance right. And it's the same here. Yes, we are called to be assured of our place within the body of Christ, to cast away insecurity, to lean on the promise of Jesus that we are the body. Each and every one of us is a part of it. But Paul here also addresses that we should not take this to the other end of the spectrum and arrive at an altogether lofty view of ourselves. If a critical part of battling insecurity within the body is that each person understands they are valued and that they are an essential member placed where they are in the body by God alone, then this is also a critical part of battling pride when it arises as well. And you know, there are so few earthly examples that can illustrate this um, because ultimately it's a construct of the Lord, not of man, that all people should be equally valued within the body of Christ and none above another. We don't see that truly being lived out and functioned elsewhere in the world. It's really quite hard to think of examples to point to. Um, even to use something like football, which, just to be completely honest with you, I am thoroughly uneducated about. I have no idea what, what I'm talking about when it comes to football. So if you're rolling your eyes about another football metaphor this morning, so am I. I'm right there with you. But just to use that as a poor example, you could talk about how a striker may be the one who gets to score goals, but without the defence and the backing of the rest of his team, he is left totally open to attack. A striker cannot say to the rest of his team, I do not need you. But even this does not come close to capturing the beauty that the Lord has in mind for his body, that no part should be viewed, nor view themselves as worth more or less than another. That no eye could say to a hand, as we read in the verses today, I don't need you. The understanding that God looks at all members of his body, regardless of how he has chosen to use them, and says, you are valued, you are loved, you are adored by me, with no comparison of anyone else around you. It's just not relevant. My love is my love, and it stands on its own. That's such an important thing for us to grasp if we're going to feel secure in our, um, in our unity together. The understanding that it is God who gives all gifts to the body, not just some of them, all gifts. And that is so important. A gift is not something that is earned, nor is it something that is a reward for good performance, nor is it a sign that God holds someone up in a higher esteem than anybody else. Do you know if your heart is that God would use you in a certain way, definitely bring that to him. The scripture tells us to eagerly desire the gifts of God, absolutely. But 
Do you not lament? Do not mourn over what you perceive someone else has that you do not? Equally, gifts that you have been given are not to be viewed as a sign of superiority, nor ever lauded over somebody else. It can be such a temptation to view the public gifts as more desirable, but Paul here is warning us not to fall into that trap. Just like with a body, parts of it are more visible and on display than other parts. That's what verses 22 to 24 are talking about. But imagine if the less visible parts of the body cease to function. Imagine if an organ just stops working one day. No one ever sees the work publicly displayed that a kidney is doing or an artery is doing, but one of those to fail in the body is absolutely catastrophic. I've just given this the tagline, a gifting that is public does not mean a gifting that is preferred. And again, our, our current climate, lockdown, COVID, all the things that come around that bring further challenges to this because the amount of people that are involved publicly in our online meetings has to be tightened because of social distancing and all the complications that come with live streaming. But what a crime it would be for us as the body to look at the worship leader, for example, um, and think, oh, wow, isn't it just fantastic that they're leading worship? But forget about the person who always faithfully brings the joy of the Lord into every situation. Or to really value our Sunday morning anchors who do such a great job of leading us through the meeting and where we're going to be going next. But forget about that life group member who God has gifted with a real compassion for his people that can only come from him. Do you know, if, if we find ourselves in a place of holding a lower view of others in light of our own giftings, um, struggling with the idea that a public role is equally valued to a private gifting, or if we just feel like we're, we're detecting, we're resonating with anything that Paul is warning us against here, the response is exactly the same as it is for when we detect insecurity. We bring it to Jesus. And do you know, the way that the Lord corrects us is so gracious, firm, yes, but absolutely gracious and grace-filled. He truly is the loving father who disciplines from a place of wanting the absolute best for us as his children. Do not be afraid of it. You know, if you detect the rumblings of pride, the, the rumblings of the type of attitude that Paul is warning against here, bring it to him and do it quickly. Don't let it become rooted in your heart. Lord, help me not to seek the attention nor the approval of man, but to treat any gift that you give me as exactly that, a gift that may be used for the glory of your name in everything that I do. So the body of Christ is built for unity, to serve each other and to seek after Jesus in all that we do. But there's challenges to unity within the body of Christ. Insecurity and pride can act as a disruptive force that get in the way of this beautiful unity that Jesus has envisioned for us. So how comforting it is then to know that we have Jesus at the head of the body. There's an ancient proverb of disputed origin. It's frankly impossible to find out where it actually came from. There's far too many arguments on the internet about who first said this, but um, it says a fish rots from the head down. Um, and it's a phrase that's often used in business environments to express the idea that if you see failing within a company or within a business, it is often the leadership who shoulder the fault of that, that bad leadership is really harmful. 
And um, you know, before my longer term post in the school that I'm currently working in, I've had the pleasure of working on supply in loads of schools all across the city of Liverpool. And I've had the absolute privilege of being in schools and immediately being able to tell that their leadership is positive, that they are people who've got the interests of the kids at heart, that they understand pastoral care for their staff. Um, and you can just tell you don't have to spend a long period of time there. You know, even the way the staff carry themselves or interact with the pupils, you can just tell that this is a place where the leadership are on their side. Um, and even when the hard times come, when the school is faced with challenges, the staff are happy to be there functioning as part of that team. Unfortunately, I've also seen the opposite in a few schools that I've been in where leadership are insecure um, or maybe have a, a toxic style of management and you see that reflected so negatively in the staff. Like teachers, sorry, just a little selfish shout out to you at the minute, like such a bunch of people who are willing to go the extra mile for kids and parents and families but when you see it in this toxic environment, all of a sudden that's lessened. You see people afraid to step out in fear of it being um, misunderstood or misrepresented as construed as some kind of selfish, gain-seeking thing. Their confidence is really knocked and it's really, really sad to see. Now, for us, as the body of Christ, we have leaders. We have our, our great eldership team um, who champion us into going deeper and seeking after all that the, uh, the Lord has for us, but they are still human. Mistakes will be made. Sorry, lads. Um, they act as shepherds and faithfully serve the flock, but our confidence and our trust are not to be placed in them. We have great worship leaders, people who lead us into the presence of God when we meet together, just like Rachel has been doing this morning, but they're not the best musicians in the world. They're not the ultimate worship leaders in the world, even our confidence and our trust are not to be placed in them. The ultimate shepherd is our Lord Jesus. He is the head. And why can we find hope in that fact that Jesus is the head of the body? Why is that such an important point for us to arrive at as we, as we wrap up today? Well, unlike every other organisation around us where we see corruption, we see sin, we see the guarantee of human failing, Jesus is just not susceptible to any of that. He is the ultimate in good leadership. When failing and sin and even pandemics inevitably arise, we can still have trust in the church because the ultimate leader is the head of it and good leadership leads to thriving bodies. He is the one who holds the ultimate authority. He is the one who decides where the body is heading and what happens next. Where man's capacity to be selfless is quite greatly limited, if we're perfectly honest. Jesus is the one who said, I love them so much, I will lay down my life for them, that they would know freedom from sin, that they would know closeness to their Father in heaven, that they would know what it means to step into life in the full with me. Where man's ability to face the difficulties, the circumstances and the schemes of the enemy are limited. Jesus is the one who has already won the victory, who has already conquered, who can lead his body through every storm that it faces. Where man's ability to resist sin, to know the right path to take are limited. Jesus is the one who is the perfect spotless lamb who always knows exactly where his church and his body need to be heading. Where man is prone to insecurity, to bickering, and to pride like we've been reading about today. 
Jesus is the one who understands the true beauty of our unity and prays for the disciples and for us in John 17 that we would be as close to one another as he is to the Father, that the world may look at us and know that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, that our unity together under him as our perfect shepherd would be so opposed to all the constructs of the world that people cannot help but stop and see Christ in all that we do. Jesus as the head of the body is is great news because no matter what we face, we can have total confidence in a body where Jesus is the head. A confidence and a security that we could never put in man. We are the body who are under the head of a glorious God whose heart's desire is that we would know him with all the depth and all the intimacy that is on offer to those of us who have said yes to walking with him. That insecurity, pride, and all other challenges to unity within the body would fade away in the light of his glorious presence. And that is on offer to us each and every single time that we gather together and that the world would look on and see him for how beautiful he truly is. Do you know, if you're, um, if you're listening this morning and you're, you're not a Christian, you haven't yet made that decision to follow Jesus, I wonder what's your experience of church been? Perhaps it's been negative, perhaps from things that people have said to you, from um, the way you feel you've been treated, the lack of welcome you've received. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but perhaps what is being described today doesn't line up with your experience of church. Can I just encourage you that this is Jesus's vision for his body? And I really hope this is our, our vision at Freedom Church as well, that this is what we are seeking. This is what we are striving for, a place where everyone is valued, where no one can say to anyone else, you are less than I, and where no one can say I am less than you a place where everyone's value goes without question, not because man says so, but because our perfect Lord Jesus says, my love is my love and there is nothing you can do to change that. Um, Can I just encourage you, if that sounds interesting, if that sounds appealing, if you've got questions about that, reach out, get in touch with someone. We've got our Zoom meeting um, at the end of our our live service today. You can jump on Zoom um, or if you prefer maybe a smaller setting, you can email us at info at freedomchurchliverpool.co.uk. You can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, or you can pop a comment on this YouTube video as well. We'd love to just talk with you to maybe help answer any questions you might have or to just pray with you as well. Um, That'd be fantastic. And church, if you are sat there this morning, stood there this morning, hearing what's being said and you detect in your heart that any of this, these, these traps that Paul warns us against might be the case for you, that insecurity that can come and the pride that can come or maybe even just the cynicism that we can fall into sometimes, the idea that we see, well, yeah, this is Jesus' vision for the church, but I don't see it. I don't see how that can be possible. Can I just encourage you, church, do not be happy with just being challenged today. We have the presence of Jesus by his Holy Spirit on offer to all all of us, whether we're meeting here, whether we're in our homes, no matter what, his presence is just a guarantee that we can reach out, that we can know him there with us. Can I just encourage you, don't be afraid to bring those things to him. If you are feeling insecure about your place in the body this morning, say, Jesus, I'm feeling really insecure about my place in the body. Would you please deal with that? If you're feeling pride about your place in the body this morning, would you say, Lord Jesus, I'm feeling really prideful. If that's a word about my place in the body, would you please come and deal with that? Or if you've got that cynicism of, I just can't see what Jesus's vision is I just don't see it would you just let him reach out and take you by the hand and just turn you and set his gaze upon where where, set your gaze upon where his gaze is to line up your vision with his church let's not leave today just being happy that we've been challenged let's do something about it let's step out and step into his presence as well um 
We're going to go over to a time of worship and back to the lads in a minute. I'd love to just pray for us um, really, really quickly before we do that. Lord Jesus, once again, I just ask that anything that was just human words this morning would fall away, Lord. And I pray that to anyone who you are touching this morning, whether that's through challenge or through encouragement to come and accept that invitation and um, that only you can make to come and join your beautiful body, Lord. I pray that we will have heard you clearly. We would know how to respond and we would know your presence with us this morning, Lord. Amen.